Good morning. You guys awake out there? Um, man, okay, me and those three people are going to have a great time this morning. Everybody else, I'll wake you up when it's over. Um, man, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> oh, man, a lot of stuff really going on the next couple weeks in this place. Um, some we've already kind of done. Uh, we did Christmas shoe boxes. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but that was pretty awesome. I think you, one person. Uh, we are excited about the gospel, me and you. Um, <laughs> it's good. Uh, we've got a lot going on, though. We've got um, Christmas baskets. We're going to just kind of adopt five families in our community and just um, just love them. Not really emotive. If they show up, that's great. If they never show up, that's great. Um, they, we just want to love people around us. Um, it's not all about, you know, doing Sunday, um, and I think we get lost in that sometimes, but doing that, um, what else are we doing? We did some other things. Uh, Angel Tree, did Angel Tree, I have 20, 20, 20 or 25, 15, okay, awesome, so we did 15 uh, kids on Angel Tree, which is amazing, and um, parade, uh, we're going to do a parade, so a lot of stuff going on, uh, dinner, children's play, uh, and I know this season's busy, but uh, you should have today got one of these in your seat or around your seat. If not, there's a stack of them back there in the back. And we just want you to take this, not because um, we want you to show up. We expect you to show up. Uh, we want you to um, take this and to give it to somebody else. And then when you run out of that, you can get another. And when you run out of that, you can get another. Um, but man, if, if all we ever do in this place is just kind of sit and, and, and get, then and we don't invite anybody else into that, that would be a shame. And... Um, I just want you to know, especially if you have family members, friends you've been praying for, um, this is a season where people are somewhat receptive uh, to the idea that they may come to church. And I promise you, if you can get them here, we're going to share the gospel with them because um, we don't do a whole lot of fluff. I'm not going to get up here and tell you how to be a better dad. I'm not a dad. I don't know how um, somebody that's a dad can teach you that. I don't know nothing about that. Um, I, I can tell you about God the Father, but I, I can't really tell you about how to be a good dad. Um, and I'm not going to waste Sundays on that. Um, so uh, I'm going I'm to preach the gospel every time we come in this building, and uh, you, can, you can be sure of that. So you invite people, um, not church people all the time. Uh, it's great. We love church people. Uh, but what we want to see is God do something in our community. And it's not going to do that, just recycling church people. So um, you can take this, and you can pray over who to give this to. Um, and if it's the guy that works at Subway or it's your cashier at the Food City or whatever it is. Uh, we just want to kind of pepper our community with these things um, for the next couple weeks, and we just want to pray that God would do something. And um, I know it says 1030 on here. I would love for us to have to show up at like 9 and do ours so we could leave uh, and we could fill this room with lost people. Um, so you do what you need to do, right? <laughs> um, but it says 1030. I know we're limited on space. If we know more people are coming, we'll do it two th times, three times, four times, five times. I got the whole day, um, and uh, we'll just see what God does. So um, let's, let's plan big and think big, and just remember that this season, it's not just about coming in here and singing some songs and, and hearing a message, but it's about this idea that God is with us. And, and the truth is, he came to be with more than just the religious people. And um, we want to make sure that our community knows about that. So just wanted to kind of plug that for a minute. Um, if you want to know anything else that's going on here, I'm not like doing announcements or anything today, but um, if you want to know anything else that's going on here, we got 8 million forms of social media, and you can just get on one of those and follow us, and you'll hear about stuff. It's amazing. So um, just get on there and uh, follow something. Get on the website and look at that, and, and you can find out all the other stuff. But, man, just such a good morning to be in the house of God. Um, 
you with me on that? Um, I know that we're, we're working on being a rowdy church, but I'm just, I'm ready for it, so you're going to have to go with me. Um, so anyway, you ready? There, that's good, that's good. It makes me feel like there's seven people here. That's, I love it. Um, so anyway, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to start um, on, on a series, it's a Christmas series, right? So you just pick out some random generic Christmas name uh, for the series, and this time it's like um, The Greatest Story, which I'm pretty sure there's like a book about that or a movie about that, but you know, just pick some random generic Christmas title, because it's not really about the titles anyway, it's just something to help us remember what we're talking about. And uh, we're going to start a new series called The Greatest Story. And for the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about um, the, the truth that the, um, Jesus, God in flesh, was born. And he, like, came here. Um, that's amazing to me. Uh, I know that some of you guys maybe are, like, already over Christmas. You're, like, one of those Ebenezer people um, who are, like, uh, I just I don't like Christmas. I just, it's so commercialized. Um, and uh, there's just so much stuff going on. And the Walmart put out Christmas stuff before they took down their Halloween stuff. And I'm highly offended by that. And um, that's cool if that's you. I'm not that guy. I love Christmas. They can put it up in June if they want to. Um, I love the lights. I'd probably leave the tree up all year long. But people look at you weird if you do that. Um, Barney's my neighbor, and he'd tell you guys. Um, if I if I left it on all year, so I don't, I don't do that. But um, just to be honest, I, I love Christmas, and, and what I love about it is the whole world is celebrating the birth of God's Son, and they don't even know it, yeah. right? Um, like they they're making it about all these other things. No, it's there's one reason for that day, and, and that's the reason, right? And you can call it whatever you want, and you can put you can happy holiday that if you want to, but you are still celebrating the birth of God's son. So welcome world into that, um, and, and I love it. So maybe like if you're not that guy, you can just bear with me for the next couple weeks. Um, and I would have started this series probably in October if you guys would have let me. Um, unfortunately, there are not very many stories on the birth of Jesus. So you're going to hear the same stories you've heard if you've been in church very long for, you know, I've heard them for 31 years now. You're going to hear the same stories, um, and that's okay. Matthew um, talks about the birth of Jesus, and Mark, like the abbreviated gospel, the gospel for people who don't really like to read, like Mark doesn't even talk about it. Uh, and then you got um, Luke, who really talks about it. He loves the birth story. He gives it a couple chapters. And then... Um, John kind of comes around in, in the back door and, and does a different way, and he talks about Jesus kind of before Bethlehem, and, and I love that. And we're going to just talk about a couple of those things for the next few weeks, and this morning we're going to be in Matthew, and um, I just want to invite you just to maybe hear this like you're hearing it the first time, right? Like, I know we've heard this, like Charlie Brown says this stuff, like we're, we, we're indoctrinated with the Christmas story, but... I think what we do is because we've heard it so much, we've seen like the nativities in the front yard, we become numb to the fact that God himself came here, like wrapped himself in flesh and was born in a manger, a place that none of you guys would choose to be born in. Like that is an amazing thing to me and it still should be amazing to us. And this morning, Matthew, uh, who, by the way, is Matthew, the disciple, the writer, Levi, the tax collector who Jesus called to follow him. He's writing this story to us. And um, this is unlike maybe the, the books that uh, are written to the churches. This is a narrative story. It's not really a teaching theology story. He's just telling the story of Jesus. And what I love about that is Matthew was there to witness most of these events. Like, obviously, he wasn't there at the birth of Jesus, but um, he, he, he would have been around Mary, Jesus' mom. And if he didn't hear this story from Jesus, which maybe he did, he at least would have been able to sit down with Mary as he's writing this book and be like, tell me about it. 
Right? Tell, me, tell me what happened when, when, when Jesus was born. I just got to know, because I'm going to tell this story, and I'm going to make sure that this story is told over and over and over and over again, like till time quits. And this is mostly, this book is mostly an eyewitness account of a man who actually walked with Jesus. That's an amazing thing to me. It's not 700 years down the road or 2,000 years down the road, somebody's opinion of what Jesus might have done when he walked on this planet, but Matthew saw it and he witnessed it. And that's amazing. And it should bring like a, a hunger for this book to us. Like who, this is a man that knows Jesus. And he's writing these words to us. And, and he sat down with Mary probably and figured out some of these before events. And he's going to tell us this morning about the birth of Jesus. And I just want to invite you maybe to hear it like somebody who'd be hearing it for the first time. These people that would have read this gospel the first time it came around or who maybe even sat down with Matthew as he told this story. They may, maybe were believers, maybe were not believers. Maybe they'd heard that this is the Messiah, the Son of God. But, but man, what we want to know is like, how did he get here? Like, it's awesome if Jesus just lightning bolted down here at 33 and a half years old and did some really cool stuff and went up to heaven. But man, it's, an, it's a more amazing thing that he actually chose to be born. So, so today, Matthew's going to answer that question for us. How did he get here? And he starts out with like this genealogy of Jesus Christ. That's the part that you probably skip when you read this. Um, and I'm not going to go through this because I'm not like a genealogy man either. But I will say like this is important stuff. And if you were a Jewish person, this would be the thing that you would want to hear before you heard anything else. Because there were certain things that Jesus had to be. He had to meet before he could be the Messiah. And one of those things is we got to know the family tree. And there's some notable characters kind of in the family tree here. One is Abraham. You've heard of that guy probably. And then he had a son named Isaac. And he had a son named Jacob. And then Jacob had a lot of sons because Jacob liked kids. And one of those sons had to be um, Judah. Right here in the family tree of, of Jesus, we see that, right? Jacob fathered Judah. And his brothers, if you were looking Old Testament prophecy, Jesus, the Messiah, had to come through the line of Judah. So check, right? Okay, maybe, maybe this is the guy. And then it lists some other people, and now we're looking for a guy named David. Had to be the lineage in the house of David because he's this new king, right? And so you go down through there, and you see that David is in there. And then David fathered some people, and they weren't awesome. And then, you know, but he's in the list, and then kind of at the end of this genealogy, uh, we see, um, and Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah, the Savior, the, the, the coming one, this, this one that we've been looking for for all of history. And in this moment, we see the culmination of every book was written before this in these words, the Messiah. Before he ever declares anything else about Jesus, what he wants to know is that this man is the Messiah, the one we've been waiting on. And that's, it's an amazing truth here from Matthew. And maybe for us, we kind of miss some of those things because we're not Jewish people and we just don't care about genealogies. But those are kind of important things to the story of Jesus. So it talks about that and all these generations, and then he gets to it. This is like the Gentile story. This is the one we care about. Um, and he gets to verse 18, and he says, The birth of Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Messiah, literally not his last name, but a title meaning the anointed one, um, Jesus the Messiah, came about this way. Imagine this. We're like, oh, that's cool. Thank you. Um, just get to the good part. I want to get, this is the good part, right? 
because this sets the stage for everything that's about to happen in the story of Jesus. Like if this was a play today, like the lights would come down and we would get this like mood thing going and everybody would kind of lean in. Maybe we should even do that this morning, lean in. Uh, maybe, maybe not physically or maybe physically, but at least intellectually to this story this morning that, that the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, this guy that we've said, we, we trust him with our life, we trust him with our eternity, that one, the one who came and who, who died for us, the birth of Jesus Christ came about out in this way. Here's the story. It says, after his mother, Mary, so we get kind of the character of Mary here, it's Jesus's mother, thank you for entering the play, Mary had been engaged to Joseph. So we have Mary who's engaged to a man named Joseph. It doesn't really put a title with him. There's just some guy in the story now named Joseph. And Mary, Jesus' mother, is engaged to this guy. So we see that Mary is engaged to Joseph. And it says that it was discovered before they came together. All the kids are gone. Uh, before they were intimate together. That she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. What a weird beginning to the story. Mary was engaged to a man named Joseph. Doesn't give him the title of Jesus' father because we're going to figure out he's not his father, but he's his stepfather, really. And, and Joseph, if you can imagine this with me, gets a call one day, right? They didn't have phones, but just go with it. Letter, carrier pigeon, whatever you want to call it, uh, camel mailman whatever I don't care Um, but he gets a message one day that this woman that he's engaged to that he is supposed to marry is pregnant now at this moment if you can imagine hearing this he knows some information that maybe the people in the town don't know they've never been together Now, that's an issue if you know anything about how childbirth happens. If you're engaged to someone and you've never been together and you hear that they're pregnant, we have an issue. Because what we know for certain is they're going to have a baby, and it ain't yours. There's no way. There's no possibility. There's no option. There's no opportunity. There's no way that that baby can be Joseph's baby. And we already have a dilemma right here, not even one verse in to the story of Jesus. We look at this and we're like, oh yeah, I've heard it a million times. Put yourself in the place of these people, right? Nobody was just sitting around like, oh man, there's going to be a virgin that's going to get pregnant and it's going to be amazing and I'm just waiting for that. Like, this is not an event that happens continuously or all the time. There's not just virgins all over town just getting pregnant. This has never happened before and there's no reason that we should think, oh, it's going to be Mary. Who's Mary? What do we know about Mary? Nothing except she's Jesus' mom. In the, in the books of history, go look at kings and queens. Where is her name? Mary's a nobody from a little bitty town, not even the capital city of Jerusalem. And here she is, pregnant, and it's not to the guy she's engaged to. You can imagine this is not good news for Joseph, right? He's not thinking, oh man, that's awesome. She's having the Messiah. That's not part of the thought process probably going on here. And and maybe you don't read it like that, but let me just ask you, if somebody popped up you knew and they were like, hey, I'm pregnant, but here's the good news. Uh, It's of the Holy Spirit. You ain't going to believe that, right? 
Oh, that's amazing. I'm so glad. I was worried that you were uh, caught in infidelity or sexual immorality, but man, that's great. I'm glad you're a virgin and the Holy Spirit came. Like, that's not part of probably the thought process in the story. So we have already one verse in, Mary engaged to Joseph who's pregnant, and she's spinning this story about how it's from the Holy Spirit. You know who's not buying it? Probably mom and dad. You know who's not buying it? Joseph. You know who's not buying it? Joseph's mom and dad. You know who's not buying it? Anybody else who's heard. Like there is nobody on Team Mary at this point in the story. And it says in 19, so her husband, Joseph, you know, if you are like me, you read that and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Wait, what? Hold on. Um, this is an inconsistency. They were engaged and they were never together. And now their husband and wife, something maybe went down right here. Maybe, maybe they, there was a time to pass and they got married and they just told, no, we've never been together, right? That's not exactly how it went down. In this time, when you were engaged to someone, that was a legally binding contract. Usually, you didn't really have anything to do with it. It was your parents who would come together, maybe when you were very young, and they would just decide, hey, that's going to be my son's wife. How many goats do you want? And they would do the deal, and they would pay some kind of price, and there was a legally binding contract at that moment. And in the eyes of the law, they were married. They'd never come together at this point in time. They haven't lived in the same house. They maybe have not even really seen each other at this point in time because they're not married yet, but they're engaged. And to the eyes of the world and the eyes of the law, they are going to be married, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it calls her her husband because legally that's really the contract going on here and it says so her husband Joseph being a righteous man we get some character of Joseph he's a good man righteous is just word morally right and justifiable he's he's a good man and he tries to live and follow God the people around the community Joseph's a good man Joe Joseph he's a good boy right like he he does good stuff he's not a bad kid like Joseph he's sweeping the sweeping the old lady's porch and he's walking people across the street like Joseph is the guy right Joseph is a righteous man, a man of good reputation. It says, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, he decided to divorce her secretly again. This idea that this engagement is just like marriage. You can't just break it off. You have to go through the legal escape for the contract. And it says, Joseph was a good man. Joseph didn't want to make a mockery of Mary. He wasn't out to hurt her back for his hurt. He was just kind of trying to get out of the situation. This is not my kid. It's not really what I signed up for. Um, you're a nice lady, um, but I, I don't want to raise some other guy's kid. Like, that's the mentality going on in Joseph. He doesn't want to drag her out to the street and be like, stone this harlot, which he could have. Right? Like, sexual immorality, you could be killed for that in this time period. Like, they could have just drug her out in the street, and all right, have at it. And he would have still been considered a righteous man. But he didn't want to do that. He didn't want people to look down on her, and he didn't want people to think bad of her. He wasn't trying to hurt her, get back at her. He just didn't really want part of that deal. So it said he decided to divorce her privately, show her mercy. Good characteristic for the stepfather of the Son of God. This is in 20, but after he had considered these things, or after he decided these things, after he knew what he was going to do, it wasn't an easy decision, apparently. It says, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream. 
I don't know how that works suddenly in a dream. It seems like all dreams are pretty sudden. I don't even really dream that much. But an angel of the Lord just popped up right in the dream. And he said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That wouldn't have been the feeling that I assigned to it, would it? Her, yeah, we'd put that one on there. Confused, we could have put that one on there. In any of those emotions, we could have put on there. But why afraid? Well, because Joseph is a righteous man. I don't think the thing that was keeping Joseph from wanting to marry Mary is really even her infidelity as much as it is, I have a good reputation, right? Like people are looking at me and people see me and I love the Joseph's a good guy, pat on the backs as I go down the road. I, I love people knowing that, I, that, I'm, that I'm a good man. And if he would have entered this contract with Mary, it would have it looked a little weird, like maybe before they got married that they had come together. And then his reputation really would have been kind of shattered. Maybe it was this fear of, I don't, maybe she doesn't love me, right? Maybe she doesn't want me. Maybe she wanted this other person and I don't want to come into this. But, but that was the thing, right? This fear is the thing that's keeping him from entering into this contract or this story. And it says, the angel shows up and he says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. You don't have to fear this. To, you don't have to fear to take Mary as your wife because here's the reason what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be hurt. You don't have to be confused. You don't have to be bothered by this. She's telling the truth is what the angel says. I know it's weird, right? Like I know, yeah, Isaiah talks about this. It's in there. It's like 714, I think, where it talks about, behold, a virgin a virgin shall uh, conceive and give birth. I, I know it says that, but people weren't waiting around for this. And I know that's not what you think's going on here, but, but it, it really is. You don't have to be afraid to enter into this story. This is, the, this is the place that God has placed you. I know it looks nuts. I know it looks crazy. I know it looks like it, it can't be the plan of God, but this really is the plan of God. Everybody on the outside looking in is like, what a mess, but I just want you to know it's not a mess. It's the plan. So you don't have to be afraid to enter into this story because this story is the story of God. Because what is in her is of the Holy Spirit. This is the moment we've all been waiting for is what the angel's saying. Joseph, we picked you is what the angel's saying. I love that. You know who didn't pick to be in this story? Joseph. You know who never would have wanted to be in this story? Joseph. Like nobody's looking at that and like, oh man, I wish that everybody thought my wife was caught up in infidelity. That would be amazing. I just, I want to marry a woman that everybody thinks immoral. That's the best thing I can think of. That's nobody's plan. Except for God's. And he says, Joseph, you don't have to be afraid. We chose you. What has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on and he says in 21, she will give birth to a son. You ever had a dream and you're like, I just don't really know what's going on with that dream. You ever been there? I've had several of those. Like you, you have some dreams, you're like, I'm riding a camel through a hula hoop of fire and I don't, <laughs> I don't think that one means anything. And then you have some dreams, you're like, man, maybe that was something. Maybe that was something from God. 
But at the end of the day, you wake up and you still wonder, right? Because it was a dream. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure. So the angel here, like, throws some money down, right? It's going to be a boy. If it comes out a girl, that dream wasn't really the thing, right? <laughs> like that, so, okay, I misinterpreted that one. That was just like, I ate too much sugar before bed. Like, like he throws some money down. She's going to give birth to a son. And then he even says, and because uh, he's not your kid, he's God's kid, you're going to name him Jesus. Um, you don't get to pick. Um, but I love this name. You're going to name him Jesus. You're not going to name him Joseph 2.0. Like, you're not going to name him Abraham. You're not going to name him Isaac. Those are, those are great names. You're not going to name him any of that stuff. You're going to name him Jesus because in that name it means something. Do you know that? What it, what it means is Joshua saves or Yeshua is what it would really say in or Yah, sorry, I'm just making stuff up. Yah, <laughs> Yahweh saves. God saves. The name Jesus means God saves. In the name of Jesus, there is the mission of Jesus. You know why you're not going to name him Joseph? Because that name doesn't mean what this kid come for. You know why you're not going to name him Abraham? That's a great name. That name doesn't mean what this kid come for. See, this kid is on a mission. And I know that everybody looking at the story is like, this is the craziest story ever. Like, why did Jesus choose to show up this way? Well, he chose to show up this way for a reason. And as he comes, he's coming with a name. And that name means something. And what that name means is God saves. That's the mission that he's on. Says you're going to name him Jesus because he will save his people. Now, there are three more words that I just left off, and there's a reason for that. If he would have said that to any other person and left it at this kid's coming to save his people, you know what everybody else would have thought of? Well, he's coming to save the people of Israel from this captivity to the Romans. He's sending this kid to come in and he's going to kick out these Roman oppressors and he's going to set up this kingdom of David. That's what everybody was looking for in the Messiah. That's why when Jesus rides into the city on that triumphal entry, they're all, save us now, save us now, which is what Hosanna means. And what they're crying out is Jesus who is riding in like a conquering king except for you chose a donkey that's too small. As we lay down our palm branches and we shout, save us now, what we're saying is, we're your army, come kick out the Romans. We believe you're the Messiah, we believe you're the Savior, so come and set us free from the Romans. Come and set us free from the oppressor. Come and set us free from this captivity and set up this new kingdom of David. We're ready for prosperity and we're ready for power again. And Jesus rides in on this little bitty donkey to say, oh yes, I am the Messiah. I'm the coming king and I'm coming in to set up a kingdom, but it's nothing like what you're thinking. So when everybody would have heard, oh, God saves, yeah, everybody names their kid that. Waiting on it. What they would have been looking for is this political Messiah. But that's not the mission of Jesus, nor has it ever been from the very before the very birth of Jesus, God says, that's not what he's coming for. You read the stories wrong, right? Like you, you did the prophecy wrong. He's not coming to give you all power. That'd be great, but it's not worth much. 
because eventually you're going to die and what's power to a dead man? It's not coming to give you prosperity, although, man, that'd be great, wouldn't it? We all got enough silver, we can buy whatever we want to. Um, But what is silver to a dead man? God's coming, and God's coming to save, but he's not coming to save people from oppression. He's not coming to save people from suffering. He's not coming to save people from persecution. He's coming to save people from their sin. Because anything else is momentary, but this saving will be eternal. There's a bigger problem than we have an oppressor, and there's a bigger problem than we have persecution. The problem is a sin problem, and that problem keeps us dead and separated from God, and God hated it. And the whole story from um, Genesis chapter 3, when he says you're going to crush that serpent's head, has been leading toward this moment where God would come, and he would send somebody to separate us from our sins so we could be again with God. And he looks at Joseph, and Joseph gets in on something nobody else in the story knows. I don't, I don't know why he tells him this, this early on in the story. The only, the only thing I can think is, this is really, after Jesus is 12, the only time we hear about Joseph. Joseph probably somewhere along the line it died. He quits talking about him, talks about Mary over and over. Never do we hear about this father. Before he went, he would never see the cross probably. He would never make it to the resurrection probably. God wanted him to know like your son is coming for a reason and that reason is to save people like you. Might be a righteous man, but I'm going to put you in a mess to show you what a mess you are. He come to save his people from their sins. In 22 it says, now look, it's almost like we're breaking out of the story for a moment. Matthew's reminding us, this is the story, this is where it comes from. He says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And he quotes just a verse people would know, Isaiah 4, 17. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Now, if you're like me, you're like, that's not what they named him. <laughs> really what it says is they will call him. Another title. Jesus has all kinds of titles. They will call him Emmanuel, and this means God with us. Not just some kid who showed up, right? Not just some carpenter boy. This is the prophecy we've been leaning toward for the whole Old Testament. Matthew wants people to see that and he puts it in here, but why would he do that? Like obviously we, we probably know that, right? Can I just ask you this? Like how jacked up is this story? Like think about it. We've never heard it before, sitting down for the first time. We've heard of Jesus. We know he came somehow. We know he died and we know he resurrected. And we know if we put our faith in him, like we're going to go and be in eternity with him, that we're separated from our sins and we can be friends of God. We know those things. But we don't know how he got here. So here's this guy, Matthew, who's going to come and he's going to tell us, we're going to sit down around this. And what we're expecting is like Jesus showed up, right? And like in some amazing, miraculous way that he come and everything made sense and everything kind of went together and everything was this perfect little picture, kind of like the nativities we have in our house, right? Everything's clean. 
My animals are even clean. I've never seen an animal that clean. Jesus is like glowing in this perfectly made bed of hay. Like it's like this amazing clean cloth thing going on. And we're like, man, that's so good. I love, I love the nativity. And then he starts telling the story, weaving the story together, how when Jesus actually came, the Joseph didn't even want to be with Mary anymore. That Jesus almost came into a broken home. Imagine that. That Joseph thought that Mary had been fooling around on him. And so probably did everybody else. These were real people. And and Jesus stepped into a problem before he ever stepped down. And then here Matthew says, but this is the plan of God. What do you mean it's the plan of God? This is a mess. The plan of God, maybe Jesus come down, he's born in like a temple, maybe he just showed up on the altar one day, like I can get that, like beamed him down from heaven in a ball of light, like I can see that, that makes sense. What do you mean the plan of God was to place Jesus in this? Doesn't even make sense. But he says, this is the plan of God. See, I think we can relate to this, can't you? Like, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you come from a broken home or one that was almost there? How many of you live in one right now? How many of you, your life doesn't look like you have it all together? It looks like everything actually is all messed up, and no matter how much you come in here and you put on the face and convince everybody else on the inside, you know, everything is jacked up. See, I can relate to a story that's jacked up. I can't step into a story where maybe Jesus came down in the ball uh, on the altar. I can't get that. I've never seen anything miraculous like that, and I can't really relate to that. But I can go into a story where it looks like, oh, man, the plan isn't coming together. Hashtag real life. And in this moment, in the story of God, right here at the beginning, what I think God is saying through Matthew is, you know what? I don't know what's going on in your life right now, and I don't really know how jacked up it looks, but just because it looks a mess doesn't mean it is. Maybe the mess you're living in right now is really the plan of God. Maybe this everything falling apart around you is really God doing something miraculous in you. So you think the truth is we look at stuff like this and we we just read past that and we forget these are real people and these events really did happen and they have real feelings and real emotions and it would have not been fun to Ben Joseph in the story. Anybody sign up for that? Oh yeah, I want to be Joseph, man. I want everybody my whole rest of my life to tell me my wife is an adulterer that signed me up for that. You think they quit talking when Jesus showed up? Oh yeah, I want everybody to defame me and act like I just snuck in the room one night and did something I wasn't supposed to do and talk about me. I want to go from righteous to to rebel in like 30 seconds. Sign me up for that. I want to be that guy. Anybody? Oh, sweet. Yeah, I want to be the glowing Christmas Joseph. I want to be that guy, but I don't want to be my whole life's now jacked up Joseph. No wonder he was afraid.
But I think what's amazing about this is, you, you know that any time Joseph could have walked away from that? Isn't it true? I mean, he could have. He almost did. An angel showed up in a dream and he said, hey, um, I, know, I know this looks crazy. I know it looks nuts. I know that this is not really what you were picturing for life. I know this wasn't the deal, but I want you to know God is working. I know it doesn't look like the plan of God. It looks far from the plan of God. It often does. But it is. It is the plan. And you can choose today out of fear to just run from the plan of God. You can do it. You can take off. You can get out of here. You can hightail it out of here. And you can get away from the plan of God. You can do that. Or in trust, you can step into the story of God. It's actually the same story that we all get invited into, isn't it? Anybody ever, you don't have to raise your hand because I, I, I can already feel the heart, right? Like, anybody ever just thought, I'm getting the heck away from this? It's not worth it. It's nuts. I'm going through more trouble today than I was before I started this thing. Life is harder on this end than it was on that end, and I'm getting out of here. Anybody ever been there? I have. But here's the, here's the truth. Even in those moments, even when it looks like everything's falling apart, God is working for our good and his glory. And Matthew says right here in the story of the birth of Jesus, oh yeah, the plan of God, it often looks jacked up, but I just want you to know before this thing ever started, God had the results written out. Nobody would have thought it was going to play out this way. Nobody would have thought, like, this is the way to the path of the plan of God. But it's a rocky path. But when you get there, it's an amazing view. So he writes, right? All this took place. Yeah, this crazy stuff, this weird story, all this stuff that you probably wouldn't have thought I was going to tell you today. All these amazing things took place to fulfill because this was the plan, what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin, who nobody's going to believe is a virgin, (laughs) will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They're going to call him mean names. You know what a fatherless child is called? Oh, Jesus had titles like Emmanuel, but he had other titles too. And he chose it. And they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Isn't it amazing God didn't come to be around us? How could I relate to a God who lived a perfect life, who nothing ever fell apart for, who nothing ever looked bad for, who entered the world in such a good situation and went out in such a good situation? I can't relate to that God, but I can relate to one that knows what it's like to live in a mess. And he can relate to me. Isn't it amazing that he didn't come to be God above us? Oh yeah, I'm here, God, in my temple. I was born in this temple and I'm never leaving this temple. I'm going to just walk in here in the throne room and come right back on out. I have access to the Holy of Holies. Don't you guys wish you could come in here? He didn't come to be God above us. 
can be God with us, in the mess with us, in the thick with us, to know what it's like to hurt and to know what it's like to be called things and to know what it's like to be looked down on, but in all that still to be perfect and holy and good. This is in 24, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, and he married her. Nobody with me? When he woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him, and he married her. Did you get in that moment when he did that, what he was choosing? He was choosing the hard life over the easy life. He was choosing the mess over the made up, right? He was choosing to step into the story of God and leave the story of Joseph behind. Because, see, he had plans. I'm going to be a righteous man and people are going to talk good about me and I'm going to get married and I'm going to have a family and I'm going to do my thing. People are going to love Joseph and he left that. And he stepped into, I have no idea what's about to go on. (laughs) But I know that nobody's going to buy this Holy Spirit thing. You know why? Because he saw the value of being in the story of the Messiah rather than being in the story of Joseph. See, it's the same today, isn't it? Nothing's really ever changed. It's still, we have to see the value and choose the story today. See, the truth of it is, some of us, like, we play on the line of, like, which story I want to be in. Like, I'm going to be in Jesus' story on Sunday, and then I'm going to be in my story the rest of the time, and then I'm going to come back on Sunday because it's cool, um, and it makes me feel good, and then I'm going to go right back out here, and I'm going to be in my story. But the truth of it is, that's never really the option. There's actually no middle line where we can play in both stories. It's the in or out kind of thing. Joseph can't go to, yeah, let me marry you, but when people are around, I'm going to go be over here. And the truth of it is, today we still have the same option. Yeah, Jesus, I'm going to be all in your story, no matter what this stuff looks like, or I'm going to be in my story because I can kind of control things here. In your story, maybe you can experience God around you. Right? I'm in my story. I go to church. God is around me. I see people raise their hands. Sometimes I raise my hand. I read the Bible sometimes, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I even get the little chill bump thingies, and maybe that's great. But that's not a God with us story. You can even live your own story and have God above us. Oh, yeah, the big guy upstairs, I believe in him. He does stuff, man. He, he, he works in my life. He, I didn't get that red light the other day. That was amazing, praise the Lord. Um, that was a good day, uh, hallelujah. You can have a God above you in your story, but you can never encounter God in an intimate way in your story because intimacy with God comes through suffering. It just does. Anybody that tells you different is a liar. 
the intimacy with God comes through suffering, right? You ever read the story when Saul becomes Paul? I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Joseph suffered to be with Jesus. Mary suffered to be with Jesus. The disciples all suffered and died to be with Jesus. It's a story of hurt and suffering and not always amazing over here, but at the end of the day, the view is amazing. And that's what he's inviting us into. I don't really like that. Have God above you. Settle for that. Settle for that. How many of those guys did they write about? It's a real question. Have God around you? It's an option. How many, how many of those guys did they write about? We have a church full of people that God is above, right? Or God is around. But God didn't come to be any of those things. He came to be God with us. You sit around and you're like, I want more, I want more. Then step into the story of God with I want to see God do more. We'll step into the story of God with us. There's a books and books and books filled of God around. A lot of people lost in history that had God around. You know, the people who are going to see God do something amazing in the next few days and years and maybe centuries if we're here that long, it's going to be the God with us crowd. The crowd that goes beyond, oh, I raise my hand when I really like that bridge, or the crowd that goes beyond, I mean, I read the Bible because I feel obligated to, to, to a group of people that is, you know what, I just want to be with God. You know, I raise my hand because I realize that he's worthy of all the praise. It's not because I want to feel good or because I like those words. It's because, you know what, even in the bad days, you're worthy. In the good days, you're worthy. In between days, you're worthy. I feel squashed today, but you are still worthy, Jesus. You know, I, I read the word. I, re, I read the word because, man, I just, I love the story of Jesus. Amen. You're like, well, don't, I, you can't read the Old Testament. It's all the story of Jesus, right? You know, I tell people about Jesus, right? Like, you can, you can motivate two different ways on that. I know people that tell people about Jesus because it's an obligation. And they get people to pray prayers, and those people walk away lost because... That's just how it works if you don't have a love for Jesus. Oh, Lord, I can, I'll pray something to get you to shut up, right? Like, <laughs> it happens. But what's the difference in telling because I love or telling because I'm obligated? Inviting because I love and I want you to love or inviting because I'm obligated? Reading because I love or reading because I'm obligated? Raising my hands because I love or raising my hands because I'm obligated? See, the story can be the same exact story and two different motivations. And God today is inviting you into the awful mess of his story. Because he came to your mess to set you free into his story. So this morning, um, I, I guess maybe the, the question is, do you, do you feel like there's more? Like there could be more of a relationship or do you feel like you just do these things because you have to? Do you ever feel like, man, I just, uh, I, don't, I don't really want to do it today. 
You ever feel like, man, I just, I need to get the heck away from this. And maybe we're standing in the God around or the God above and not the God with. Let's pray.